Well, what a good day it's been. We could go home right now, but I'm not going to let you. <laughs> but I can't stop you, you know. Uh, when you're up front like this and you see people go out, you wouldn't believe the things that go through your mind. I bet you I could curb that by going, hey, you're saying, hey, would you just give us a testimony while you're on your feet there? I'll bet you we wouldn't have near many restroom runs, would we? <laughs> it's okay. I'm just glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're in a great series uh, called God Confident, and the first week we kind of talked about just, just in, the, in the throes of life, being God confident in need, whatever the need may be. Last week was kind of about in, in pain, and, 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 uh, and I, I talked a lot about Praying, the emphasis from that, the passage from Philippians 4, 4 to 7, that's where we'll be landing and reading it today. But I just want to tell you, and, and today, this is so key. I've been so excited about delivering this. And, and, and I apologize um, to teens. If I see you sleeping, don't make me come down there and get you. When I was a youth pastor, man, I'd be, I'd be roaming the rows. If I saw you sleeping, I'd just put my heavy hand on your shoulder and wake you up. But again, adults, you have a pass, okay? You can't sleep because they kept you up half the night. All right? But, but I want to give you the context, and this is so key. This, this is, can so impact and change our, our lives, I believe it today, if we'll, if we'll be hearers and doers of the word. So I've, I've been missing you, but I want, to, I want to tell you again, Paul was strategic. He was driven. Man, he had plans. He was going to go here. His missionary journeys are well chronicled, all the things. But one of his top goals, remember, was that he wanted to go to Rome to preach. That was Paul's plan. So would, would that be okay? I mean, influence their place. I mean, he could touch leaders, key leaders, and he was like preaching to the world. That's an okay goal, isn't it? Um, but when he arrived in Rome, he wasn't as a preacher. He was as a what? Starts with a P. Prisoner. Okay. Do you think God could use him less because he was a prisoner instead of a preacher? Of course not. He was there at his destination, but as a prisoner, and as the days turned into weeks and months, whatever the case may be, he had no idea what the outcome of this imprisonment would be. This could be the end of his life. He didn't know. Just because he was a spiritual man, he didn't have all the answers. He didn't know all the things of the future, only what God revealed to him. And I'm going to say in our lives, too, because I want to draw a parallel. There are no human guaranteed outcomes when we obey God. Do you understand that? Yeah. In other words, according to our expectations. Right. We think, we not only tell God what our need is, but we tell him how to answer it. Big mistake. Because <laughs> uh, a lot of times you're asking for something you don't really want, right. or he wants to give you far more than you could ever dream of. Right. Agreed? So be careful there. So there he was. Listen, I want you to think about this. Think about this. All alone. No guaranteed outcome of obedience, wrongfully accused, imprisoned. I was going to read the passage of all the things that chronicled his shipwrecks and beaten and this and that and the other, stoned. No one could criticize him for being negative and filled with anxiety and fear, but under the, listen, under the influence and inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the context, he penned some of these most beautiful words that I want us to read right now out loud as we've been doing, okay? Would you do it? And don't read monotone emphasize words that mean something to you, okay? And I pray, that, I pray that, 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 that Paul's inspiration will be inspiring to us. And I want you to think about this man, beaten, tortured, suffering, had the scars to prove it, and here he was writing such spirit-inspired words. So, so let's know what we're reading, okay? Come on, everybody out loud at home, would you do it as well? Join in, just lift your voice, everybody. Makes it easy. Here we go, with expression. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Oh, I just felt a hug from him. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Any takers out there, any believers out there, any testimonies out there? It's true. Oh, what a verse. I said last week that first verse is such a kicker because, you know, always be full of joy in the Lord, it says in one translation. And then if that's not enough, let me say it once again, rejoice. That means if it's repeated, it's really important. You know, like those last instructions you get from home. Okay, don't forget this. Don't forget this. And you say it again. And that's what this scripture is. He repeats it in case you didn't get it the first time. So he was in a place where he could have easily be, easily be overwhelmed by the circumstances of life, by the reality. I mean, it wasn't pretend, it was real. And there he writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse four again, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Because you know what? Paul had a praise perspective. So God confident in praise. Our God confidence shows up if we're willing to praise him in all such a way. I'm going to tell you, so many times our spiritual life is dictated by the circumstances we, we're in. That is all wrong. We are going to be up and down and all over the place. I was referring to a book that, that uh, Rick Warren's wife wrote, Kay, and I'll, I'll refer to that later. But I heard somebody quoting Rick, but I think I've heard him say it in person and, and, and writing said, and, you know, they've been through it. I mean, his wife, Kay, got cancer. I mean, serious cancer is in remission, but and then their son committed suicide. I mean, just all the ups and downs that they experienced. He's retired now, but God's using him to get Bible and, and, and several things in all the people languages of the world. It's, it's incredible. But he said, you know, I used to think in my younger days of ministry that, you know, we just kind of went to the highs and lows. And he said, that's how journey life. But he said, now I realize it's almost like I'm running on railroad tracks and there's always great things happening, but there's always challenges too. Isn't that true? Because, you know, just your life may be hunky-dory now, but, but somebody you know, your family, your friends or something, there's something always going on. That's that creative tension that, that helps us to keep depending on the Lord. Do you understand that? And the very things we want to wish away qualify us to minister to other people because we've been through it and we know where they've been. Doesn't that change everything? By all means, by all means. So, so I want you to think about that. We're, we're not talking, when I was a kid, remember, they told me, learn how to play ball. Man, the ball, I just had a ball in my hand. I come alive, I'm ready for it, I'm ready for it. I, my body can't cash the check, but my mind can sure write it. But they told me, if, if you get a hard smash at you, you don't let the ball play you, you charge the ball. And that's what he's saying, don't let the circumstances play you. Because, because when, they let, when you let them play you, you're played out. You have nothing left. There's a, this is a, this verse that I was just talking about. Doesn't it sound like one of those refrigerator magnets or bumper stickers that annoy you? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then somebody wants to quote it in your face in a particularly difficult time or season. Rejoice in the Lord always. Carry on, brother. You know, that's not the right context for it. You just want to slap them, don't you? They hate it when you do it to them too, by the way. Oh, but listen to this. this listen to this message paraphrase. The message is a pastor's paraphrase, I call it. Listen to what it says. This is a picture of it. Celebrate God all day, every day. Yeah. Exclamation point. Ha! <laughs> At teen retreat afterwards, 
but next week and next month. Celebrate God always. Always. So in this passage, Paul said what he meant, and he meant what he said. You can always be full of joy in the Lord. And as K. Warren wrote, you can always choose joy. Paul chose to live in Christ in a praise perspective. And you can do that no matter what. It could be when somebody you love has lied to you. There's betrayal by a friend, by a spouse, by a family member. It could be with unexpected financial times. It could be when your child makes terrible choices or when your stress-filled minds keep you awake at night trying to, trying to juggle all the loose ends of life. That and so much more. This passage is not a mistake. It's a key to life. It's, a, it's, it's something that we are, it's truth that we are to apply to real life and real time in all times, at all times. And he goes on to tell us how to be full of joy. I look back at Kay's book, pulled that out this morning on my, one of my final times through my notes. I write it earlier and then go back over and over and over and over again. And here's what she wrote. And, and it's joy perspective then that leads to a praise perspective. And here it is. She said it's a settled assurance that God is in control or God's on the throne. What are we just saying? God is, l- listen, have you settled that? He rules the world with truth and grace. We'll all sing that in a, in a little few weeks. But he rules in your life on the throne of your heart. I love that. And the second thing she says then, based on that, there's a quiet confidence that ultimately all things are going to be okay, ultimately. It's like Horatius Pfeffer, remember, it is well with my soul. Circumstances are inside out. God's pieces are outside in. God's peace is inside out. It's resilient, it's, it's, it's uncrushable, it's, it's unsinkable because God's placed it there. And then she says, oh, I love this. It's a determined choice to praise God in all things. She didn't say for all things, but in anything, in anything, in anything like right now, you can choose to have Paul's perspective of praise because it's powerful. It's life-changing. People will wonder what in the world you've got that they don't. It's not holier than thou. It's go, how can you have a song, Andre, when everything seems to be going wrong? It's the powerful perspective of praise that we're talking about today. That's what is so influential. So let's go to that story as I round the corner. And I, I want to come back to this praise perspective that not... Mr. Preacher, but Mr. Prisoner, Paul. Paul the prisoner, embarrassed, humiliated, whatever, still standing. Paul chose to live in Christ with a perspective of praise. And how many of you know that it still works today? It works for us. And if we're in a dip, if if we're stuck, if, if we'll, we'll go right to that point and analyze, that will be the diagnosis more times than not. You're low on the praise isn't even showing on your dipstick. Like kids, cars, dipstick, oil. Got it? Oh, I know some of you are Googling, looking it up right now. Yeah. Perspective. Perspective is how you see something or someone. Two people can look at the same thing from different perspectives. 
it's almost like you look through something to see it. I don't know how many times as a pastor when I've been dealing with sticky issues with people, a husband and wife, for example, can give their perspective and the other spouse can give their perspective and neither of them are lying. They're giving their perspective, but they are worlds apart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reminded of a couple things about that. And I, I, I want to tell you because if, if you have a, if you're looking at your, if you're looking at your world, if your worldview is from the perspective of your circumstances, you are looking through a cracked lens. You know what cracked lenses do? It distorts everything you see. Got it? That's what it'll do. It'll distort you, it'll turn you bitter, all kinds of things like that. So perspective. Um, there's a couple things, something I want to show you in a little bit, but some of you, if you know, and, and, and you can Google it, kids, I don't really don't mind if you do this, but if you pull up, we don't, copyright issues and all that, but if you go to the MBL, the Major League Baseball um, logo, and you look at it, it's very interesting because I, I learned some years ago, and I, somebody brought it more information that it's really, a, it's supposed to be Harmon Killebrew, and he was a left-handed batter. Is that what you said, Joel? Right-handed, right-handed batter. Everybody remember the name Harmon Killebrew? Famous baseball player. Probably in the Hall of Fame. I don't, I don't know, but I imagine he is. But nonetheless, when you look at it, like Joel said, I showed him this morning, he said he, he bats left-handed, so he saw a left-handed batter. But you can look at that, and you can see a right-handed batter. So if you pull that up, it could be a right-handed batter or a left-handed batter. It's all in your perspective. Right. Some time ago, I read a book by Stephen Covey and some of the books that they had, you know, uh, just a lot of good stuff in it. But, but he gave an example of, of a drawing, and uh, I think if they may have that image uh, up here. But they did a drawing of, a, of a, like a 20-something young woman and, and a, maybe an, an 80-plus, much older lady that you'd kind of help across the street. And, and, and they showed those pictures to different groups. Got that? Follow, follow me. They showed it to different groups. And then what they did, they said, just study it for 10 seconds, see what you, see what you say, see what you see. Then they combined the images, laid one on top of the other, and Everybody that had seen an attractive young lady picture, that's what they saw, the same picture. But everybody who had seen the old lady, that's what they saw. You know what that's called? Perception. Can you see both? Can you see the lady with the dark hair, but can you see the, the long nose and the chin? Okay. All right. That's my point. I'm belabored to say perspective matters. In spiritual things. And I ask you again with great sincerity as your pastor, Who's influencing your perspective? I don't want the world and the culture to, in, to influence my perspective. I want to make sure it's biblical. I want to make sure it's God-centered, don't you? Because that takes away the cracked lens of everything else. And it's like getting surgery and having a clear lens of, of praise, and that gives clarity. Like when I was in fourth grade or third or fourth, and I got glasses for the first time, I didn't know how much I couldn't see till I put those glasses on, and then boom, the world became clear. Anybody else had that experience? I didn't know that I had I didn't know that I had astigmatism, a lazy eye. Couldn't believe it. Well, perspective matters. When Paul could have been dark and negative, he looked at his life situation through that positive ID, that's that clear lens. He said basically, I'm a child of God, and that's what I'm standing on. And I'm gonna look, I'm gonna live through, I'm gonna live through the lens of praise. And he wrote another place, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. He wasn't minimizing a situation or your situation, no. He was maximizing praise. 
He was practicing what he preached, and he had an example. He, he has this example in prison that, that he was, Paul was into show and tell. He was into tell and show, but here he was really showing first. He said, I believe what I'm telling you and teaching you. I'm living it right here, right now. So in Philippians 1.12, we read these words. And I want you to know, that sounds definite, my dear brothers and sisters, that's wonderful, warm family language, that everything that has happened to me here has helped spread the good news. What? Prisoner for everyone here. Listen, including the whole palace guard knows that I am in chains because of... Wow. Listen, it may not seem good, look good, feel good, but God used it all to advance the gospel. God's not limited because he was in prison or you're in prison of your own making or someone else's making. He wants you to step out. He wants you to choose praise, that perspective, because he is still for me. He's working in me and through me, and he's promised to never leave me or forsake me. That's his word, so I choose praise. And he had a captive audience when he began to praise, didn't he? I mean, they couldn't go anywhere. I'll bet you they were annoyed. The praise and worship, the night of worship was keeping them awake, just like I am by raising my voice to some of you teenagers and sponsors. Think about it. Let's go. That wasn't his first prison rodeo, by the way. I mean, he had a history of it. He had a history of being persecuted and forced to go another way than his plans he had laid. But let's go to Acts 16, 22. So there they were in trouble again. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. So again, contextualize this, what we're leading up to, a night of worship. They were innocent. It wasn't fair. All they had done was good, but their God confidence remained unwavering and strong and vibrant. So they had decided that they were gonna have a night of worship in the middle of a real life situation. Yeah. Oh man, can we go to school on that? Verse 25. You doing all right out there? Around midnight, that's a dark time of the night, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners and guards were listening. Hmm. They couldn't help it. They didn't have ear, earbuds. They didn't have iPhones, whatever. And the other prisoners were listening. It's like you and me saying, in essence, it's this. I'm really going through some tough times, difficult waters. I'm navigating a tough road. I think I need to worship God right here, right now. I think I need to pray right now. I think I need to praise right now. I've got to get my perspective clear. I need a new lens. I've I got to clear my head and heart. I read the story of a man who was very successful by, in his field of work by, by all other than himself. He was in a particular season after great success where he's filled with anxiety and stress and he went to his counselor and he said his counselor was helping him navigate through it and his counselor, he told his counselor in a dither, he said, oh, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, head in his hands, I'm in trouble. And the counselor listened for a while and then he said, well, my friend, I've got good news for you. You're not as in much trouble as you think and I know trouble. I've been doing this for lots of years. 
He said, here's what I know about you. I don't know everything, but here's what I know about you. You have a wife that you're crazy about, and you think she's crazy about you, and you have a great relationship with your children, and you eat well, and you stay in good shape. You exercise. You're not abusing any substance. You go to the chiropractor, the doctor, or whatever you could. You have wonderful friendships to support you, and people genuinely care about you. He just went through that list. And then he looked in the eye and said, listen, young man, you're looking through the lens of your anxiety, your fear, your perspective is all wrong. You have so much good in your life, but you're panicking because you're looking only at what's wrong. Don't forget to look at what's right. That's the perspective of praise. It's not denial that there's real stuff going on in our world. But you're choosing to live from the perspective of pay, the, for praise that that's God is sovereign. God is in control. I want to say again, it's not to minimize anything you have been through that you're going through right now. They are real. But don't forget to look at and focus on the whole picture. The whole picture. Don't forget to look at what's right. Don't forget to count your blessings. Don't forget about the provider who he is. Let's go back to the story of Paul and Silas for a moment in the prison at midnight worshiping. So there it was, 25, I read it. They were singing hymns to God. They weren't doing it to perform for, for the prisoners or the guards. That's what they wanted to do in that dark place. But here, boy, here's some great takeaways, and I'm, I'm nearly done, and we're gonna sing. We're gonna praise. Please note, they did not begin praising God for the what? Did you hear me? Because that's not what praise is. That's thanksgiving. We get really confused here a lot. We think we're praising when we're really thanking. No. They didn't start with the what God has done because there wasn't much going right on their radar right now. Instead, they began praising God for who he is. All tenses, never changing they were praising him for the character and nature, for his goodness. And this is an example, hear me, of praise before the provision. Praise is about focusing on the provider, not the provision. Oh, I got what I want. I think I'll magnify you and glorify you. No, you just say thank you, thank you. But before the provision, God, I worship you for who you are. You are the provider of all things. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Are you with me? Powerful, life-changing. This is what they put in practice. It's like they were going through the attributes of God. And when I was in school, we had courses dedicated to that. And we, we didn't talk about his omni-goodness and omni-forgetfulness. And those are attributes of God too, because only God can do that or not do those things. But their praise engaged. And I, I want to tell you, I've experienced it as well in, in many gatherings over the years. It is much harder to sustain praise than it is to, pray, to, to sustain thanksgiving. Because in praise, all glory goes this way. That's one of the reasons why the worship has been so powerful today. It's because your engagement, but it's because it's been so God-centered and focused about who God is. And I mean, there's great songs about feeling what he's done for me and all that, but nothing is better and higher than high praise, worshiping God for who he is. Because that means you get your perspective right. You get your praise on, and that changes the way you see everything and everyone. 
So how's your praise level? I'm not accusing. I, I just want to know most of us are way behind on our praying praises. Okay, here's the part we love. Verse 26, Acts 16. In the middle of their night of worship, God interrupted. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors flew open immediately and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And they didn't even ask God to do that, did they? Did they? Oh, we're so glad because that means that was like a jailbreak, jailbreak, jailbreak. The alarms go off. You know, oh, no. They didn't even go anywhere because that wasn't God's purpose and plan. He showed himself strong in the middle of a perspective of praise in dire circumstances, and they didn't even take the door out. They stayed where they were, and there's more to that story, and I'm sure you'll co we'll cover it at another time. God showed up powerfully in the middle of their night of worship. So I want to tell you, I think Paul knows what he's talking about when he tells us through the ages Put on a praise perspective. Never stop praising. Don't let the circumstances you're in play you. God's not done. He's not dead. He's working. He's working in you to accomplish his good, good purposes. And I want to bring that home. Can you relate to this prayer that I jotted down? Oh, dear God, I want to praise you. I want to praise you, but I just don't feel like it. I think I'm gonna do it anyway. Have you ever been there? I'm gonna start where I am because that's the only place I am. I can't be where I'm not. I'm here. I'm gonna turn towards genuine praise and I think eventually it'll touch your heart. Listen, you can have compassion for people going through the fire, but once you've gone through it, you have a deeper level of understanding because you've been there. You know it and they know it. Yes? And our fire and test could be all kinds of things here. But when you've been through it, you are the most able to help others. Even though you thought you were gonna get burned up, you thought you were gonna destroy it, you thought you weren't gonna make it, but you're still standing and God gets glory because it's a powerful testimony. Are you tracking with me today? That stuff that you tried to pray away, but the, the earthquake came, but you were still in prison. God wasn't done with you. And he's saying, I'm gonna do more through your submission. If you let me be sovereign in control, I'll do more than you could ever dream on your own. Will you let me? Will you let me do that? What happens to you, no matter what it may be, can be, will be greatly used by God when we're in relationship with him to help others. If you're willing to worship him from a perspective of praise in the moment, regardless of how you feel, in this posture, just like with Paul, God will use your praise to advance the gospel as a powerful, life-giving, life-changing testimony. And people will go, I want what you have. How do you do that? And you go, point in praise. It's not me. It's not about my greatness. It's about how great our God is. It's that he is near, that he's promised to be with us. Much more than a what. We respond to a who. 
praise has the power to change our perspective because it helps us to see God the way he is. Whatever it takes for us to look up and begin to praise God, I'd say it's worth it. Before and after the night of worship, I will say again, Paul and Silas were in prison. They didn't cut and run. But the good news of the gospel was advanced and scholars tell us that because of what happened with the jailer and his family, that that was the basis of a life-giving church that did way more than Paul ever could have done in messages. Isn't that just like God? Is anybody encouraged today? You can have a perspective of praise. That's not just health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not just the power of positive thinking. That's the power of praise. That's the power of God confidence. That'll give clarity to your vision. What you're going through now, as we speak, I mean now. You didn't think you could get this far, but you're still standing. And just standing is a testimony. What you have gone through can and will help others later through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and through the word of your faithful testimony. I got to pat myself. I've been preaching good today. This is good stuff. And I'm pouring my heart out because I love you. This is the key. If we can get hold of this, I want to tell you, it'll transform our lives. It'll put and keep things in perspective. I jotted down praise best creates and reflects a heart of gratitude it turns our heart toward gratitude so let's choose that perspective and I want to read what joy said again basically my own words joy is the causes of praise is no matter where we are the subtle assurance that God's in control the quiet confidence that finally all will be well at least on the inside that doesn't mean a guaranteed outcome but it's going to be well inside out and finally a determined choice to praise God in all things so why don't we just do that right now would you stand to your feet where you can I want you to do the, the, the one you didn't do God is near and then go into the how great okay teens you can sit you can stand you can come forward whatever I mean I want to raise the rafters today our altars are always open stairs if you want to come and pray and again I just plead with you to use the altars during service during our prayer time pastor prayer time but but if, if you're behind on your praise if you have something you want to specifically praise him for if, if you want to come into relationship with him because what I'm talking about you have to be in relationship with him for this to work you got to come and say yes to Jesus I'm sorry for my sin forgive me I repent I'm sorry I'm turning from self and I'm turning toward you I'm going from the me land to the we land I'm not living for me I'm living for we 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 all the way home amen so I want us to worship our hearts out right now And I want us to sing about the greatness of God, okay? Let it touch your heart.